Welcome to the Two Top Podcast, the weekly podcast where we go over different topics in the world. I'm your host, Thomas Lance, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Berg. How's it going? You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Make sure to follow us on Twitter to stay updated on the latest episodes. Now let's dive right into this week's episode of Two Top. All right, welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. We are back. Back at it. Stated. Um, if anybody's noticed a gap in our spacing in our episodes, pretend like it's not there. You can you can thank university uh, final testing for yes, that delay. This thing called the finals. We are we are studious people. Full time students. Full time students uh, like to get good good grades. And good good grades takes a good time. Good good time. Good good time and good good chunk out of your time. But Matt we have topics today. I'm ready to get back into and it. It's a pretty good topic, I'd oh, say. Oh, yeah. Today, I'm going to test your morals because, Matt, what's life without a little bit of moral ambiguity? Do you know the trolley problem? The trolley problem? No, I don't. I don't. I'm intrigued. Please tell me. So here's your scenario. You're watching a train. There's a track. And at the, edge of the, at the end of the track, there's five workers on the track. Now, these five workers, there's a train coming towards them, and you're standing in front of a switch to change the rails to a different track. Now, the problem is, on the different track, there's one person working. Now, they can't be saved, so do you pull the switch and make the train go towards the one, or do you keep out of it and let the train hit the five? Ooh, that's a that's a hard question. I'll give you some percentages afterwards of what people answer. So, so this is a, this is a common question. It is a common question. It's a very psychological question. Yeah. And what's your answer, Matt? Okay. You, well, immediately I'm I'm thinking, well, neither because there's always a way to do something else, right? There always there's a million different possibilities of what could happen in a situation. But with the two given opportunities, and you said they they can't be saved, one or the other. Correct. Can't be saved, right? Um, <laughs> a part of me says, oh, aim it for the five guys, because maybe if it hits the first guy, the other guys will have a chance to get out of the way. <laughs> Whereas the the other one, I don't know. What it's, it's the same, put it in a different context, save a whole, whole country or save a single person, maybe like a high-value person. You have to weigh which, which one would be a greater toll. And in my head, obviously, you want to save as many people as you can. So, but every life is valuable. You know, that's it's. This is a terrible you're, question. You're you're, being, you're very complex. I'm all over the place. My answer: I pull the switch, you and the actually, switch and aim it toward the one. Yes, and actually, so is eighty percent of the world with me along along okay. with me on that answer. Now that's just the good good moral of of. Of saving more lives than than less. Yes, the way yeah. our minds work is consciously we value more lives than one. So we'll always take more people saved than less. Now, this is also because we're not innately killing someone. We're just pulling a switch. The problem changes if there's another scenario. It's one track and there's five people on the track again. But then you're standing in front of one fat person over this bridge and if you push the fat person off it'll stop the train but a lot of people answer that question less because they're physically 
ending someone's life to save five more. It's has more weight. Okay, so with the train, it's going to happen no matter what. Yes. You just have to decide which way, whereas it's not a hit or miss. It's going to be a hit. Huh. Well, <laughs> that's interesting. That's well, because, well, also, the one that's 5v1, the track's already heading towards the 5. So by changing it to the 1, you're doing an active switch. Yeah, it's an active active act of of saving. But if I you guess. freeze up, nothing, and you're unable to do anything, then the train will keep going forwards and hit the five. And you'd have that guilt knowing you could have you could have saved more lives, right? Exactly. So it's a uh, it's a problem that's been very hard to test because I mean you can't just put people on tracks and you can't really test people because think. Of what would happen if you tested this in real life. Imagine the trauma that people would feel knowing that they could have just killed five people. I was going to say, you could even simulate this in, in VR, like virtual reality scenarios. But it would still cause that same trauma if it's realistic. And also, right? if you know it's not real, do you answer true? True. I guess the, the results wouldn't be... Like if... If it was realistic. virtual reality, I think everybody would pick the one because, like, I, this is this is a blob. This is a computer generation. It doesn't matter. So the fact that testing on real people, but that would cause so much trauma, knowing that maybe I may have killed someone or killed five because I wasn't able to do anything. But there's a lot of information on this trolley problem, and I find it personally really fascinating because. You could change so many variables and the answer may change. What if it's instead of six random people involved in this, what if it's your whole family on one side and then like someone, a, a complete a stranger, stranger on the other or, or vice five versa. strangers and like your mom on one side. Yeah. <laughs> and then it completely shifts answers. Yeah. Then it's, there's, there's value behind those people. And our brain works in very caring ways. We don't like killing people. It's not in our nature. So At least for most of us. Most of us. You ask got, the serial killer that. Yeah, well, the, <laughs> the crazy ones do exist. I'm not, I'm not going to try to avoid that. But, I mean, positivity is always good. That's what the brain is, yeah. is wired to think, right? I hope one day someone finds a way to test out this trolley problem and see what actually happens. Maybe you just have to wait for a real life scenario. Oh, and then me, the news interviewers will ask that question. Yeah, they'll find out. But I mean, it's wild. This is the type of thing that I've seen, uh, like on the internet. It's a hot debate, but then someone actually takes it to like an influential person, like a like uh, President Obama. Say he's answered questions just like this, or other celebrities. Have you heard any anything about this online? Like any celebrities pitch in on giving their answers? No, because I feel like maybe it's too controversial. I don't know. Is it controversial though? Because if you think about it, you know it's funny. Matt? Right before this, we were talking about how we like never got into politics on this. I feel like now we're it's a, it's kind of a political political scene here. It's like what if one politician answer is different than the other? Well, okay. So for the for the case of the trolley, no matter what, you're saving lives. You can't, no you can't you argue that, lives. although someone out there is going to say, well, why didn't you save 
more lives than you could have, you know, and that and that's the but then someone could argue, well, every life is is valuable. Or it's like, why did you personally go out of your way to end one person's life by pulling the lever? You could play it either way. Yeah. And that's where the mudslinging comes in. That's the, that's the political scene. We don't want to we want to avoid. I feel like a lot of people, though, if the train is going down this straight line and hits five, many people would start doing excuses like, oh, it's not my fault. I didn't drive the train. I couldn't. I didn't know I could do anything. It was beyond my power. While people pulling the switch have really, really do take control of the scenario instead of distancing themselves away from an event. And that appears in real life scenarios as well, not just on the train tracks. Think of like in the world, if you're driving or if you see an accident and you could do something, but you don't, it's, well, I'm not involved. I'm not involved in this incident going on this robbery at this bank what i shouldn't involve myself i could maybe save someone if i went in but it's not my place it's not my place to pull this lever it's not my place to stop this robbery so people always find a way to comfort themselves like no one wants to say man those people died and it's all my fault it's more like those five died but I couldn't have done anything. Even though maybe you, deep down you, you know you could have. Even though you could have, but yeah. you don't want to admit to yourself because the human body always tries to find a way to comfort themselves. And I understand that. I I would do the, I mean, I'm a human, so. It's I, human nature. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Now you're kind of branching into the the um, concept of like personality types and, and what you would do in certain scenarios. And they have that calculated that people with this personality type would tend to do this. They would act or some people would stay more reserved and and not react and and all those like the myers-briggs have you ever taken that i did but if you asked me for my answer i don't know if i'd be able to give it right away you should definitely take it again it's it's very interesting and just looking at my personality type um it's it's all too true that's the four letters right yes it's like the introvert introverted or extroverted yeah Uh, i can't tell you many of the others yeah that's the only one i know but there's then three other factors and i remember recently I remember recently I actually did take it because I switched from being introverted to like slightly extroverted. It's like this switch, but I have to take it again. And I know people who take it multiple times, uh, many times letters do switch between, I mean, yeah, it's based on questions based on many circumstances. And like you said, it kind of relates to the trolley incident with the many circumstances, what would happen depending on different circumstances. Human nature though. Interesting thing. Very I love human nature. <laughs> I love human nature. I also hate human nature. Human nature is a double-edged sword. I'd so say. much potential it's for good. So much so potential, much potential for, for harm. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the trolley problem. No, you know, I've never heard of that. Really? No. I and that, that stuff is very interesting. I like I like thinking about that stuff. It's something that I've heard of a bunch of times, and the all the psychology stuff. We could do a whole. Like podcast series on just psychology. I'm actually reading a situations. book book right now on uh, it's called the history of thought, and it has it basically it's a, a general coverage of all the uh, philosophical principles and stuff over the ages, and and yeah, I'll let you know how it is when I'm done. Yeah, maybe I'll yeah, give it a read. That's too. A, something I'm gonna do over break for sure. When did you first hear about the trolley incident? Do you remember? Oh, 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 oh. was it a while ago? Or it was yeah, it wasn't recently. It was a while ago. I'd say it was probably like two or three years. It was okay. while it was still in high school because I remember, I think I asked Mihir about it or someone about it, like their opinion on it. 
it was during the time of I was looking very into scientific topics and very scientific things. Just we had the podcast then in those younger years. It would be interesting. I think a podcast right now showing or even in high school would really show like the progression of someone's mind. Similar to how. Absolutely. Show ours. Because Look how know, smart we've got. When something doesn't go right, you know what I do, Thomas? Do you Google it? No, I just, well, yes, that's that's the first thing I'll do. Second thing, I'll blame my conscious and my frontal lobe because the male frontal lobe doesn't develop until how long? Maybe the late 20s. Oh, I'm like, a, mom, it's not me. I'm just, that's a I'm very just underdeveloped. Sci- that's a very scientific excuse. girls, excuse. they develop quicker. So you, you better watch out, ladies, because... <laughs> You have a scientific explanation on why you're a little you bit ahead of gas for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, thought pro- I, I can call myself out when I make completely irrational decisions. That's not just like a kid thing to do. I think it's because I'm an underdeveloped male. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> At least I like to blame that, make myself feel better. The comfort. I'm seeking the, the comfort. comfort. You are seeking the comfort. Tied well, you've heard it here, folks. Childhood. Matt, the underdeveloped ma- male brain uses his frontal lobe as an excuse on why things didn't go right. <laughs> that's 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 what I tell my professors. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, what do you have for me this week? All right, Thomas, this is something right in front of your eyes. You might have just glanced at it. I'm not sure. Maybe you're looking around, you're looking for it. Thomas, why are keyboards arranged the way they are? Oh, QWERTY? QWERTY, the QWERTY keyboard. Why? Look Uh, at it. Does it make any sense to you? No, I I would always think it would be like, why not put the ABC? Why not do an alphabetical? Well, it once was alphabetical, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little rundown of why we, we stick to the QWERTY keyboard. It's actually, it's actually very old. So this was really interesting. I was digging around Michael's the other day, a craft store, and they happened to have a typewriter. And uh, the person I was with asked the question, like, why the heck is it arranged like that? Like, why, why is it not alphabetical? Who came up with it? And why is it like the standard across the world, I guess? Yeah. The whole entire world, Uh, unless we're using say like a, a Chinese keyboard or something. So today I wanted to look into that and find out for myself why the QWERTY keyboard is standard for both you and I. I mean, you have a laptop, I have a laptop. We're both familiar with QWERTY. I'm sure you're a pretty good typist, right? I type okay. You kind of have it memorized in, in a sense, even on your phone too, for your thumbs. Yeah, it's like without looking up, what letter is next to the Q? A W. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because <laughs> QWERTY. <laughs> yeah, actually, I could type my name without, I'm not going to try now, but I could without looking. I kn- so, yeah, yeah, probably. Okay, so why is the keyboard not in alphabetical order? So I have not heard this, but there's a classic myth that always led people to believe that the keyboard was arranged in QWERTY layout to slow typists down. Now you're going to ask, why would they want to slow typists down? This this takes us back to the late 1800s. Uh, well, it does. It kind of makes sense because let's let's talk about typewriters. That same typewriter I found in Michael's, that's the reason why they could have changed it. Um, typewriters actually would jam up if typed on too quickly or if you did kind of two letters at once, the uh, arms kind of get crossed up a little bit. Um, so that explanation makes sense, right? Yeah, that makes that you sense. You want to slow them down. So they purposely made it a little bit more of a reach to get certain letters or they stuck vowels in opposite ends or the period not in the middle, you know? Um, well, through my research, I've actually found that it's actually not the real reason they, they changed it to the QWERTY layout. Uh, it's a logical one, yes, but the real reason, I'll get to the real reason. So the inventor of the QWERTY keyboard was Christopher Latham Scholes. He was an American inventor from Mooresburg, Pennsylvania. So oh, a PA guy. A PA guy, very cool. Uh, Scholes was also in the group of men who invented the very first typewriter in the United States. 
Um, the quarry layout was developed in the early 1870s. Keys are arranged in a sort of diagonal layout because in typewriters there needed to be room for the levers beneath the keys. So that's why the keys aren't in a perfect grid shape today. They could be. They could be. Because obviously we're not using typewriters, but that's just the way they are. Interesting. Isn't the that interesting? You know. So that yeah, they're all angled. Nothing's nothing's truly lined up. I always notice that. Um, the construction of the typewriter had two flaws that made the product susceptible to jams. Characters were mounted on metal arms or type bars, which would clash and jam if the neighboring arms were pressed at the same time or uh, like rapidly together. Uh, the printing point was located beneath the paper carriage, invisible to the operator, a so-called upstroke design. Uh, jams were especially serious because the typist could only discover the mishap by raising the carriage to inspect what had been typed, unless if they like knew they typed something right. wrong. So they were especially... Um, I'm sorry. The solution was to place commonly used letters, letter pairs together, like TH, like the, there, they, you know, that's used a lot, or ST, stop, stairs, you know. They put, like, those two letters together so that their type bars were not neighboring, uh, avoiding jams, just to kind of make it streamline it quicker. Um, Scholl struggled for the next five years to perfect his invention, making many um, a rearrangement of the original machine's alphabetical key arrangement. Um, others suggested that the letter groupings evolved from telegraph operators' feedback. And that's the other reason why it's arranged the way it is today. Oh, the I didn't telegraph know telegraphs, operators yeah. wanted it to be that way to make it easier to record messages. So in November 1868, he changed the arrangement of the second half of the alphabet, O through Z, um, right to left. In April 1870, he arrived at a four-row uppercase keyboard approaching the modern keyboard of what we have now, moving six vowels, A, E, I, O, U, and Y, to the upper row. Um, the QWERTY layout became popular with the success of, the, of a typewriter called the, the Remington No. 2 back in 1878. It was the first typewriter to include both upper and lowercase letters using a shift key. We still use the shift key for uppercase and lowercase. And since it has been the standard for keyboard layouts. I can't believe the keyboard layout has stayed so consistent for so long. And, and now that I'm looking at my keyboard right now, I can't stop staring. All the vowels are on the top row except for the A. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And, oh, but it's, it's close. It's like it just ran out of room and then they put the A on the next row. And then U, I, O, three vowels are next to each other. But E's over there. E's over there. And TH is still close. Y is there. T, yeah. You know, everything makes sense to us because we've been using it. It's really ancient. It's been around since the 1870s. How crazy is that? Yeah, I didn't and know it, it was that long. And it yeah. hasn't changed. Now, yeah, there are variations of it. And you can you can set them on your f phone, for say. You know, you can't use your keyboard because they're mechanical keys. But a touchscreen, you can. Um, so this leads me to my next topic. Nowadays, people are wondering why keyboards are still arranged the way they've always been. And... I mean, it's always a time for change and improvement, right? That's the idea with technology, especially if all our devices have keyboards. So there are new keyboard layouts that have been showing up in the past maybe like 15 years or so, even, even before that. Um, technology really pushes people to think of better and quicker ways to type, especially with like mobile, like an iPad, you want to type on it. Have you yeah. seen like the split keyboard on an iPad where it splits it in half? That's still QWERTY. I've used it before. I think that's the fastest way to type on an iPad. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's kind of like a evolution of, of layout, but it's not really a big change in layout. No, we're it's just, just big, splitting it apart. We're it's... comfortable to the QWERTY layout. That's just the way it is. Now, what's interesting is I know you're talking about QWERTY, but QWERTY is only used on you American type typers. Well, because 
I have a French keyboard on my phone. And I know also the Belgian keyboard, like different letters are switched around. Like Q is not in the same place. I know A, I think, is moved as well. And even the punctuation is sometimes different, I've noticed. Like I saw, I saw a German MacBook last year, and it kind of blew my mind. Just like the subtle things, like instead of a dollar sign, it's, what is it? A, a euro? euro? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I was like, you know, I never would have thought of that. You just can't have this computer in the, it's like driving a car on the on the left side or the right side, you know? Yeah. And it's the same idea. It's weird, but it makes sense at the same time. Because if you think about think about it, the American keyboard is based off the American language. So why should the German keyboard be based off the American language as well? Exactly. So, I mean, I don't know many foreign languages that well, but words work in different ways. Other letters can kind of be used as vowels in a sense. So it makes sense that they'd show up. Absolutely. And in 2003, they um, a university came out with a... CalQ, K-A-L-Q keyboard, which is supposed to be optimized for thumb typing. I looked at the keyboard, didn't make any sense to me. Is it like a circle almost? or No, it's still the, the grid shape that we can picture, just the letters are rearranged differently. Interesting. On a, on a left and a right side for a tablet. It's meant to use a tablet or a widescreen horizontally and kind of have a little keyboard on each side. Just like the iPad splits the keyboard up in two, but in this case, the letters are rearranged. So I wasn't really turned on to it. Kind of looked confusing. And obviously, it's still in a beta since 2003. It hasn't caught on. It's not going to go anywhere. That's just an interesting thing I thought. But it makes sense that people wanted to try to find a quicker, better way for thumb typing. Because I don't know. We all type with thumbs now, right? Yeah. I mean, on our phones. Absolutely. Um, all the time. Our tablets as well. And even an uh, interesting keyboard, I wonder if you're going to point out. You remember... Uh, the numerical keyboard if you had a flip phone oh yeah oh yeah i wonder if that that's alphabetical that's alphabetical but some people keep, i got really fast at that back in uh middle school yeah you, you gotta be fast you gotta be quick <laughs> i was pretty yeah texting all those girls back in the day or back like, in the day on the flip phone whatever you gotta send those i don't know what, i don't know what do you send i don't remember <laughs> that takes me way back you're making me feel all nostalgic now <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Alpha, that's an alphabetical keyboard that we all know. Well, at least most of us know. Yeah. Do you have a typewriter? At home, yeah, I, I believe there's one. Uh, yeah, like my buddy types on a typewriter, and we always joke because it's so loud and noisy. He's like a frantic writer. He's like up at like two in the morning, chunk chunk chunk, and then his neighbor's like, "Shut up!" <laughs> well, that's people as well who like mechanical about that. mechanical keyboards. Chuk chuk chuk. Yeah. Yeah. The chuk, 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 and you know we're seeing a. a decline in the mechanical keyboard a lot of people swear by them a lot of like people who play computer video games love them have people have who really keys. enjoy the cl- the sound of just a satisfying, a satisfying click. press of a button i mean the new macbooks have their um what do they call it uh butterfly mechanism yeah it's, that, it's that's not a short same. pull it's a short yeah. pull of the key and to me it doesn't feel good i mean you get used to it after a while there's something satisfying about pushing a little bit and then it's sinking all the way in. And our keyboards on our MacBooks, I think that feels the best to me. Obviously, I'm used to it, but I feel like that's the right amount of movement. It's a little bit less than, say, an old Windows keyboard, Yeah, but it's more than the, the latest MacBook keyboards. Yeah, I think it's a good a good clicking thing. Yeah. Yep, that's the sound. 
just now you now you're just gonna every time you look at a keyboard you're gonna think like oh well that's located there that's odd that is odd i mean what you have the m and n together that makes sense you have the z and x in the bottom left because i guess they're not used a lot op you're up at the top op if you think of the letters you have under your fingers at all time you always have you always have a you always have all these letters H is right there. T is there. I think, I don't know. I don't feel like anything. Well, I feel like I'm unqualified to say, oh, this is in the wrong spot or this doesn't belong here because you're in not, my eyes, you're not I, a typist. <laughs> I'm not a typist, but also I think everything's in the correct position because this is the keyboard it. I've used all my life. Fun fact, the uh, period mark was um, switched with the R, the letter R. At one point. The R? Yeah. Or the P? So instead of QWERTY, it was Q-W-E period P. They put the period there? Yeah. That doesn't <laughs> make sense. I know. But maybe just because your finger's right there, it can reach it. You know? I mean, how often are you ending sentences? I don't know. You can ask a typist that. Yeah. It's kind of a forgotten art, I guess. You know, I mean, everybody has to type now. There's a lot of speech to text. Speech to text now, is a thing, a but... Thing. I feel like words per minute are still a big factor in the world. How many people in your classes do you see taking notes on their laptop? Not a lot. Not a lot for me either. Yeah. Because it's too slow. Like even when I'm doing notes for this podcast, sometimes I type them up. But if I'm like watching a video, informational video, it's I, I can write faster than I can type. And that will always be something that happens. But it's still interesting to think about. So, Matt, is that what we have for this week? Yeah, I hope I taught you something. Yeah, I hope you learned something as well. You, oh, yeah, I tested, sure. your, I tested your moral compass out a bit. Well, you're going to have me thinking about that for the next couple of days. Well, it's a good thing. Well, to I'm going to tell people. You know what I do? I just go around telling people like, hey, you want to learn something cool? And I totally take credit for it. But, <laughs> but you're the one that teaches it to me. No, definitely go around and ask people what how they would react. And you'll get a bunch of different responses. I can tell you that. It'll tell you something about their personality. Exactly. And make sure you type that down too. (laughs) Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Two Top and we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. This was Two Top, an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg. Music this episode comes from Lee Rosever, and our outro music is created by our lovely host, Matt Berg. For general inquiries and feedback, send us an email at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. We are a weekly produced podcast. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. For more info about this week's episode, visit us at twotoppodcast.com. That's the number two, toppodcast.com. See you next week for another Two Topics.